Uh, we're in the uh, sixth week of a seven-week series called When Life Disappoints. Listen to this passage. Jesus is on the cross. He's got two guilty criminals, one on each side. Verse 39 reads, One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve, shout deserve. We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in the place where everything is all right. Shout paradise. Amen. Lord, uh, bless us today. Work miracles through this teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And please be seated. So, today we are on the sixth week of this series that we've entitled, When Life Disappoints. It's actually shaped by a big idea. It's framed in the form of a question. And the question is, how do I survive and grow through some of life's greatest, most difficult disappointments? And on uh, last week, I told you that if you're going to grow through some of life's most difficult disappointments, and we will all have horrendous disappointments through life, that one of the things we will have to learn to do is to forgive. And today I want to pick up where I left off on last week. So here's the basic point that I want to make. That if we're going to work through some of the more challenging disappointments, we have to actually learn to forgive first. We have to learn to forgive others. Talked to that last week. But we also have to learn to forgive ourselves. And lastly, we need to learn how to accept God's lavish, God's gift of lavish generosity. Everybody shout, lavish generosity. generosity. Now, when we have historically talked about grace, we've defined it as God's unmerited favor, favor that we get from God that we do not earn. Today I want to kind of give you another way of talking about grace, especially as it facilitates the gift of forgiveness into our lives from God. Here's the phrase I want to use. Lavish generosity. It's a gift. And it's lavish. And it's extraordinarily generous. Now, uh, let me give you the definition for forgiveness, and I'll come back to that lavish generosity in a few minutes. Uh, as we said last week, and if you missed last week's message, you can find it on the, uh, at our website. <clears throat> forgiveness is essentially defined as letting go, everybody shout letting go. Letting go. letting go of grievances along with the feelings that accompany those grievances, 
like resentment and bitterness and vengeance and anger and a need to punish either others or yourself. Letting that go in as much as we hold those grievances against others or against ourselves. Now, here's how you know whether or not you have an unresolved grievance that you are holding against yourself. Here's how you know whether or not you haven't forgiven yourself of some of the major challenges that you've faced over life. Is that if right now you would just call to mind one of your greatest regrets. Just take a moment to think about it. That when you look back over your life, you're like, wow, yeah, that's, that's one of my greatest. I so hate that I did that. And if, as that memory comes back to mind, you feel some pain attached to it, some embarrassment, some shame, your muscles kind of tense up, you feel the need to kind of make sure that nobody actually knows about it, because if they knew about it, it would change how they view me. But I hate so badly that it happened, and there's pain and shame if those are the feelings our expressions of those feelings are happening, and it probably means you have some more work to do on forgiving yourself. And it probably means you have some more work to do on accepting the forgiveness, lavish generosity that God has to give to you. So last week we learned this phrase. I want you I want you to uh, say this phrase with me. Actually, turn to the person next to you. If you don't know the person, introduce yourself. Come on, get to know it. Because we say we're going to be talking a while today. So go ahead, introduce yourself. (laughs) All right, so now you can call them by your name. Get to know the other neighbor on the other side too, all right? Because y'all are going to be talking to each other. (laughs) All right, good, 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 good. So so call them by your name, by their name, and, and simply say, excuse me, and call them by the name. Forgive to heal. Tell them. All right, all right. Go to the next person. Say, excuse me. Remind me to forgive to heal. That's right. It is as bad to hold an unresolved grievance against yourself over a period of time. It is as damaging to you to hold an unresolved grievance against yourself as it is as damaging to you to hold an unresolved grievance against somebody else over a long period of time. It it, it shatters or rather colors your sense of self-image. You can be an extraordinarily powerful CEO, CEO, but because of unforgiving issues, uh, secretly you feel pretty bad about yourself. It messes with your self-talk. You find yourself always saying stuff like, you're so stupid. And over a period of time, it damages you. It damages your capacity to accurately view who God is in your life. Now, I want you to remember this image. Then we're going to jump right into this text and try to help you figure out how to forgive yourself. How do I forgive my, 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 myself? But I want you to remember this image. Here's an image. A lot of us have imprisoned ourselves 
inside of mistakes and things that we have done, regrets of the past. We are in prison inside that regret. Now, here's the problem or the interesting thing. Catch this visual. A lot of you right now here are listening by video. You're sitting in your prison cell. Whenever you think of that thing, you kind of punish yourself. But the door to the cell is open. The guards have been sent home. They've turned the alarm off. And the judge has written a writ and said, deliver it to them. They delivered it to you 11 years ago. You're free. The front door of the courthouse is open. But you're sitting with the door open. You're sitting in prison. This is what unforgiveness does to you. And, 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 and partly you're sitting in prison with the door open because you don't believe you deserve to exit that prison. It's not worth it. How do we get out? How do we get up and walk out? How, how do we access that lavish gift of generosity? How do we do it? That's what I want to kind of lay out to you. And here's my argument. If you started to practice last week what I taught around how to forgive others, those same principles with a little tweaking apply to a process by which you can begin to forgive yourself. So, captured in this notion, come on, shout it, forgive to heal. I've got to forgive myself to heal. Is that acronym H-E-A-L, and I want to just kind of work it through. Well, let's first frame it by inside of this story about Jesus. Remember, Jesus is on the cross. He's hanging between these two criminals. What's fascinating about this passage is that in Matthew chapter uh, 27, verse 44, we're reminded that these two criminals, they call revolutionaries in that text, uh, that they were both hurling insults at Jesus uh, as they were being crucified with him. It says, they were crucified with him, ridiculed him in the same way as everybody else did. Come on, shout. They both did it. Tell them. They both did it. They both did it. So what's fascinating to me is that when we come here to Luke, Luke picks up the scene where, in fact, one of those two have had a change of heart. And rather than hurling insults at Jesus, he is now, in a sense, protecting Jesus and actually protesting against the other. What led to that dramatic change of heart is the question that comes to mind. Come on, ask the person next to you, how did it happen? Ask them. Tell them, tell them I love your questions. Tell them. <laughs> Here's what I think happened. They both saw an extraordinary display of forgiveness. Because just the previous verse up in verse 35, which we talked about last week, Jesus cries out, uh, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And, I, and, and my posture is that both of these criminals were close enough 
to see this. Watch this. One criminal saw this amazing display of forgiveness, lavish generosity, and rejected it. The other criminal saw this amazing display of forgiveness, this lavish generosity, and was transformed by it. Now, if I was preaching a Good Friday service on the Friday before Easter right now, I would ask you, which criminal are you? As a matter of fact, why don't you ask the person next to you? That's a great question. Come on. Just, just tell the person next to you, say, excuse me. Which criminal do you think I am? Tell them. <laughs> All right, here's how you can figure out which criminal you are. In verse, in verse 39, the first one criminal says this. Oh, so you're the Messiah, eh? Well, prove it. Save yourself and save us while you're at it. So if you're sitting here watching my video and you're not quite sure that Jesus is all that he says that he is, that he's the expression of God in human flesh, if you're not sure that you can believe in the remarkable, lavish gift of generosity, which we call grace and forgiveness that comes through him, and if you're the person who says, well, you know, I would like to believe it, but, but he needs to prove it. Well, Jesus says to tell you he welcomes your interrogation. The other, the baby say, uh-oh. <laughs> I couldn't miss, I couldn't pass that up. <laughs> Let's join, everybody say, uh-oh. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the other criminal uh, has been overcome by what he's seen. And so he, he, conf he confronts the guy. He says, hey, aren't you, a f don't you fear God even having been sentenced to die? He said, look, we deserve to be here. Shout deserve. Yes. Uh, actually, he says, we deserve to die because of the crime that we've committed. Now, let's stop right there. That gets us inside of how to unpack this thing. So. Uh, everybody shout H. H. This acronym will give us some insight on how to forgive ourselves. First, let me tell you a story. Uh, on last night, I got home. I've been working at the office all day. And I had the pieces of this message kind of figured out. Uh, I got home in the kitchen with Rhonda, my wife, and, and uh, we were talking about this. And I said, you know, my, the research team had come up with some really good stories that kind of illustrates both forgiveness and all of that. It's wonderful work. Uh, I was talking to Ron. I said, you know what? I think uh, I'm going to use a story out of my own life of one of my regret, forgiveness, self-forgiveness issues. And Rhonda immediately said, oh, I know what story that is. I was shocked. I was like, you do? She says, yeah, it's about when you went to Taiwan. And I was like, 
How did you know? She said, you talked about it. You've talked about it for years. Which, by the way, is one sign of a of kind of an unresolved issue. Is when you find yourself talking about it, unable to resolve it, as had been the case for me for a number of years. So, are you guys interested in knowing how I really messed up? Yeah, I figured you would. I mean, isn't gossip in the church really great? I mean, <laughs> it's legal gossip. All right. <laughs> so here's the deal. Some of you heard a portion of the story that uh, I had uh, in my senior year, miracle of God, I'd won this all expense paid trip to Republic of China, Taiwan, first place national competition. So on graduation night, the principal uh, in front of a packed auditorium kind of read this letter, said, Baze, Baze, I had won this reward. And so I was going to get an all-expense-paid trip to Republic of Taiwan uh, for two weeks, plus, everybody say plus, plus, three days in Hong Kong. And so uh, the place exploded, standing on base, and my grand-aunt tears was coming down her, her, her eyes, and everybody knew that, you know, a miracle had happened. I graduated in high school, go through the summer, enroll at Grammar State University in the fall, a chef around, my cousin Ed May is assigned to come with me, and in October, we fly to the Republic of China of Taiwan. The first day, I'm being wined and dined along with a group of uh, distinguished people. I get home late that evening, I'm exhausted, and I really sense, you know, you already call your grandma and uncle. I think about it for a moment, but then, you know, calling internationally wasn't as easy then as it is now. And so I started thinking about, oh, I'm going to have to look up how to do this, and i got all these numbers that I'm going to have to call, or I've got to call the operator, whatever, and, and then if I mess up, I've got to start all over again, and, you know, I'll just do it tomorrow. So the next morning, uh, Ed May saw me at breakfast, and she said, did you call your aunt, uncle? And I said, no, no, I didn't get a chance to call. She said, don't worry about it. I called them, and uh, I told them blow by blow, and they're happy and excited. I said, awesome. So the next day, I go through the same thing that night I get home, you know, just another attack of just... Laziness, I'm not going to do it again. Next morning, I run in Ed May said, did you call? I said, no, I didn't get a chance to call. I'm going to make sure I call. She said, no, don't worry about it. She said, I'm calling them every day. I'm giving them blow by blow. They're having a good time. It's all great. So I said, wonderful. So I go two weeks plus how many days? Three without calling my aunt uncle. The whole trip, not one call from me. So the trip is over. I return to Kashada. I'm going into my yard. I'm ecstatic, full of excitement. See my granduncle on the, on the porch. I'm just sure he's going to be excited to welcome me back. And I say hello, and he barely speaks to me. There's coldness that comes. And I get into the house. When I walk into the room where my granduncle is, it's like walking into a deep freeze. Say hi, mom. It's the first thing she says hi, and then she comes out with it. She says, "I can't believe that after all we did for you, all the sacrifice we made, that you would dare go two weeks and three days and not think enough of me and your father to call us one time." Not, hi dog, I'm alive. 
little dramatization there, but generally that was the point. And she was devastated. My granduncle was devastated. Now, H, as you began, and I was devastated because I had just hurt them. So the first thing is, from last week, you'll recall, uh, the, the first act of forgiveness is to hold and review the experience that you've done that was wrong. Look at it. Get a very good look at it. Be clear about what you've actually done. And it didn't take me long to become very clear about what I had done. Here was the big deal. Here's what, why it was so hugely horrific what I, what I did to my grand aunt and uncle. Because they had literally poured out their lives, blood, sweat, and tears. The best years of the second half of their life. I was a challenging, horrendous kid uh, that they had to work and sacrifice to get through. And then the miracle occurs. And here, my trip to Taiwan is the pinnacle moment of what should be their success. They simply wanted to share in it. And by my not calling them, I locked them out of the ability to share in what should have been the greatest moments of their lives. By refusing or not calling them, I essentially communicated to them, or at least this is how they translated it. We poured all this out to help you to become somebody, and the moment you become somebody, you're so good that you don't need to even call us. You're the sophisticated college kid, now you're off in Taiwan. We're just the country bumpkins here in Kashyyyk. That's pretty clear about what I've done. Second, you got to be clear about the feelings that you have about what you've done. And let me just tell you, my feel, I, I, I had to work to them, but I got, I, I, here, here are the feelings. I, I, I started saying, I'm feeling like, man, how stupid, Herman, are you? This is a conversation. I said, my God, how stupid could you be? What was wrong with you? How selfish how insensitive, how ungrateful. What, what was I thinking? Obviously, I wasn't thinking. How could I pour that kind of pain on the people whose very existence were responsible for me being who I was? How could I be so blind, thick-headed, dumb? my feelings and then you need to be able to kind of sort through what responsibility is yours and what responsibility isn't yours now you know for example this is extremely important why you ought to talk to two or three people you can process with or a pastor or a therapist because you got to do this work with somebody and 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 one of the things you got to figure out is what am I responsible for and what isn't what I'm not responsible for so for example there are people who've been sexually abused or raped uh, and if you as they think through their story, you hear them say something like this. Well, maybe if I hadn't dressed what I, if I hadn't worn what I dressed in, or if I hadn't gone to where I, if I hadn't went where I went, or, 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 you know, if I hadn't stayed in the room with this cousin of mine, then it wouldn't have happened. Here's what they're saying. Essentially, they're saying, it was my fault. And I just need to tell you that that's just like crazy. It's not your fault. You don't assume, that is not your responsibility to assume. 
or the other person who's in a domestic violent uh, relationship. And, and, and after being severely beaten up, uh, you hear them say something like, well, you know, I know that I, I should have known that by saying X, Y, and Z, it was going to trigger. I, I, I should have been a little bit more quiet. Uh, 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 you know, and, 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 and you know, that's their way of saying, you know, in the end, it's my fault. That's crazy. No, it's not. You don't assume that responsibility because it's not yours. But as it relates to what I did, it was all mine. My parents had a right to be hurt, had a right to be angry. I deserved the cold treatment that I got. And so right there, I connect with the guy in the text who after an honest assessment of why he's on the cross, he says, we deserve to be here. It's an honest assessment of how you got there. You got to be real about it. So that's H. Everybody shout E. e. Then you have to examine your story from the perspective of empathy. Yes, empathy even for yourself. All right, two things you got to do. Let me back into it. One is, you, you certainly got to accept your responsibility. You, gotta, you can't put it on anybody else. You can't minimize it. Forgiveness is not about justifying crazy stuff. Right? You just got to own it. It's just mine. It's on me. I deserve to be on this cross. That's number one. But secondly, now, those of you who like to tweet, let me give you two things you can tweet. Here's one. Uh, Jesus teaches us that forgiveness requires the intervention of God. That's what this cross is about. That you can start it on your own. You can work. You can get quite a distance down the road. But I believe that at the end of the day, it is ultimately the love of God that's got to get loose in your heart. Rather, whether you know God or not. It requires the intervention of God. That's the first tweet. Somebody shout, why? I love how y'all ask questions. Here it is. Here's the second tweet. Watch this. Because embedded in the love of God is an insight about the human condition that makes forgiveness possible. Embedded in the love of God is an insight about your condition that makes it possible for me to forgive you. Embedded in the love of God is an insight about my condition. That if you get that insight, it makes it possible for you to forgive me. Embedded in the love of God is an insight about our condition that makes it possible for God to forgive us. Come on, ask the question. What's the insight? Shout it. Why y'all asking some good questions? All right, here's the insight. Stumbled upon it as I was reading in Psalms, uh, as I was reading Psalms 103. Let's see. Here it is right here. Now watch this. Oh, let me tell you this. In order to be able to receive the, the lavish generosity that God has, his forgiveness, so you can walk out of that prison, for some of us, we have to change the picture we have of God. 
because your picture of God looks like your father who was abusive. Your picture of God looks like your mother who had a quick temper. Your, your picture of God uh, looks like the spouse you married. So the psalmist gives us a redeemed picture of God. Listen to what the psalmist says as he talks about God's lavish generosity. Listen to what he says, Psalms 103, 8 to 14. Here, here, listen to how he describes it uh, in the New Living Translation. He says, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, not like your, your father who would fly off the handle, and filled with unfailing love, love that won't fail you. He will not constantly accuse us. Like you, not like your spouse. Don't poke nobody. Just listen. Just look at me. <laughs> not like your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend who just keeps bringing it up and bringing it up and bringing it up and bringing it up. He said, no, God is not like that. And, and, and nor does God remain angry forever. And he does not punish us. Listen to that. He doesn't remain angry forever. In other words, he's not like some of the folks that you know who stopped talking to you two years ago. And he's not like you who stopped talking to some other folk two years ago. Oh no. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve for his unfailing love towards those who fear him. That means reverently in relationship with him is as great, listen, as the height of the heavens are from the earth, as high as the heavens are from the earth. That's his love. Wow. He has removed, get this. Our sins as far from us as the east is from the what? Wow, that's a bit, that's, that's good news. That's amazing. Why, God, have you done this? And the Lord is like a father to his children. But he may not be like your father. Because the characteristics here is he's tender and compassionate to those who are in reverently relationship with him. Fear him. Why? Here comes the answer. Here's the insight. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers, say remembers, we are only, what? Oh, I like the way the NIV puts it. The NIV says it like this. For he knows how we are Formed. The picture is of God working with the dirt in Genesis 2-7, forming humanity. And he remembers, come on, say remembers. When we mess up, he remembers, watch it. Uh, when we make bad mistakes, he remembers, watch it, that we are but dust. And the image is that, that what, the, what the psalmist is trying to say is that God remembers that we are still in process. Oh, did you hear that? No, you missed it because you've been shouting had you got it. <laughs> you, 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 you missed it. It says that, that the reason why God can forgive us is because God always remembers that as dirt being formed, he remembers that we are in process. Come on, tell the person next to you, I'm in process. Tell them. Come on, tell the other person, you're in process. <laughs> he's not finished making you. He's still working with you. 
He's still shaping you. Come on, you're, 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 you're in process. Listen, guys, what helped me was I, and when I think about that horrendous regret, the reason why I can remember it, I call it regret plus peace now, rather than regret plus pain. I have peace. Why? Because part of the reason is because I remember the context. I was an 18-year-old, wet behind the ear, hadn't lived long enough. Had I known then what I know now, I would have made the phone call. Come on now. But thank God I'm still in. I was in process. Process. Listen, hurt people hurt other people. But if you're in process, at some point you'll learn how to react to pain differently. Come on now. Immature people make immature judgment. But if you're in process, at some point, you are mature enough to make better judgment. Come on, people trapped in bad behavior, destructive habits, make destructive decisions. But if you're in process, at some point, you'll learn new skills to make different sets of decisions. Come on, tell somebody, I'm in process. So while you may be stuck, when God looks at you, he doesn't see you as stuck. He sees you as a particular person at a particular time with a particular set of experiences and knowledge, but he sees you still in. Y'all ought to give God a hand praise for that. Come on, this ought to make sense to you. You know when your 8-year-old, your 10-year-old, your 15-year-old does crazy stuff, you look at that child and you realize what the old folks just tell me, boy, just keep living. That was their way of saying, you in process. Some stuff I'm not going to argue with you about because you don't have enough maturity to ascertain the subject matter of what we're talking about. Because you need life experience to see it from my perspective. So we say, we can forgive them. Why? Because we know they're still growing. They're still living. They are in what? Oh, when I remembered that I was in process. I wasn't trying to hurt my mama. I just didn't know no better. But thank God, I'm in process. H-E, that's the empathy context. Shout A. Got to adjust your perspective. Here's the guy on the cross. Here's what he does. And by the way, he's in process. Even though he's at the end of his life, he's still in process. He had a revelation. He saw the face of Jesus. And after he heard the forgiveness that came from Jesus, what, what, what happened was a revelation. And suddenly he looked at the face of Jesus and he saw God. That was an evolution right there on the cross. Come on, y'all. He was in process. And, 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 and so... So in order to adjust my perspective, I need to be able to see God in the face of Jesus. And so we and then I need to be able to acknowledge my need for God's lavish generosity. 
I, I need to acknowledge my need for grace. So here's how he does it. He says, he says, Jesus, when you get into your kingdom, remember me. Here's the insight that he had on the cross. He's still growing. He came to a point where he realized every kingdom has a king. Jesus, you're the king, not just of the Jews, but of the kingdom of the universe. And I, I, I see something in you that's going to tell me that I know you're going to die, but die, death is not strong enough to hold you. I, I, I know that you're going to conquer death. And when you get on the throne of your kingdom, remember me. Here's what he says, translation. He's saying, forgive me, accept me so that I can come in. All right, now here's the insight. Stay with me. Everybody shall deserve. Remember the previous verse, he said this. We deserve to die because of our crimes. So if they deserve to die because of the crime, this guy was asking Jesus for something that he didn't deserve. He was asking for forgiveness. He was asking for uh, the acceptance he was asking to, for Jesus to allow him to conquer death. And from his perspective, he was asking for that which he didn't deserve. So tell the person next to you, it's okay to ask Jesus for that which you don't deserve. All right. All right, now here's the insight. Here, 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 here's the insight that I got the other night. Shall deserve. Watch this. When we say deserve, what we mean is value. It's a value statement. I don't deserve it because I'm not good enough. In other words, I'm not worth it. That's what we mean. That's why we stay sitting in the prison with the door open. I shouldn't leave because I'm not good enough. I'm not worth it. When Jesus says deserve, he doesn't mean this. He means not value. He means merit. Meaning, I didn't earn it. I didn't earn it. But what I earned or didn't earn has absolutely nothing to do with my value. All right, let me see. Can I drive it home? Everybody shout value. I heard a young woman two days ago at the prayer breakfast. She told a story. Here's what she said. She said from 12, 13, 14, she was raped regularly by her boyfriend. So shattered her. That she felt the need to work on adding to her value. So she became a 4.0 student trying to add to her value. Then she went through college, became an exceptional student in college trying to add to her value. Then she graduated and ended up in the corporate world as an African-American woman, became a trailblazer, reached the highest heights trying to add to her value. But the more she tried, 
the more she needed to try. Just kept missing. Then she accepted Jesus. Watch this. And she said she started serving in the church. And she had 15 different serving things she was doing, trying to add to her. She wasn't serving out of a place of gratitude. She was trying to make up. Then she said she gave birth to her first child. And one day she was holding a child, probably the age of that baby back there. And she looked at him in her arms. And any parents in the room, you get this. And she said, oh, my God, I love this child so much. She said, I love this child so much that I would, I'd give my life for it. She just spilled. And then she suddenly had a revelation. She said, oh, my God, this is what, this is how God loves me. And, 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 and you know, what, the child hadn't done anything. Had, the child is lying. It's a baby. In the next few moments, he's going to poop. She's going to have to clean up his diapers. That's all he's doing. In a couple of years, he's going to run around the house be breaking up stuff. But she's going to say, but I love him so much. That I, in, in, in a decade and a few years, he's going to break her heart. But she's still going to say, I love him so much. Has he earned it? No. But I love him because he's mine. He's a part of me. Y'all ain't listening. And, and, and it's not about his behavior. It's about who he is. Y'all ain't listening. And, and, and I don't ever want that boy to know anything other than that I've decided that he doesn't have to earn my love. He's worth it. All right, back to the person who's in the place of the criminal who says, prove it. Prove you are who you say you are. Prove to me about the generosity. Here's what Jesus says. It's not about me proving who I am. It's about me proving to you who you are. That, 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 That you are so valued by me. That I wouldn't come down. I know they were telling me to come down. I could have come down. But I decided to suffer an unjustly horrendous death. I decided you were worth it, y'all. To go into the darkness of death. I decided you were worth it. To to conquer death. And to rise with all power. So that the cross would forever be a sign. That you are worth it. Tell the person next to you, God says you're worth it. God says, I forgive you because I've decided you're worth it. I forgive you because you're in process. And I forgive you because I decided you're worth it. So I say to the person... I say to the person who's sitting in their prison with the door open, look at the cross. Jesus says, it's time for you to forgive yourself. Why? Because if I have said you're worth my forgiveness, 
Who are you to withhold your forgiveness from you? I've got, shout lavish gift. Okay, let me finish it. So, 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 so shout L. L. You got to let it go. Tell the person next to you, learn to let it go. Come on, I, 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 I talked about that stuff with my grandma for a number of years, but then I was able to let go of the resentment I had against myself. I was able to let go of this need to punishment that I had against myself because I realized I was in process and I, I realized that if God could forgive me, come on now, I, I, I realized I was worth forgiving myself. Y'all. And, and, and I, was able, I was able then to accept the lavish gift of God's generosity and then apply for, all right. Tell, tell the person next to you, all you have to do is to decide to accept it. Tell it. Okay. Here's the last story, and I'm finished. My boy came home on Christmas. And his iPhone was messing up. I said, come on, let's go to the Apple store. The Apple store. I called the guy there who knew us. I said, give him an iPhone 7. Put all the fixes in there, in the phone and all that stuff. And boom, boom, boom. My son was shocked because he, he didn't ask for it. And it was such a lavish gift. He was ringing up the money. He was running as a thing was going up, going up, going up. He said, Daddy. He says, My God. He was blown away. He says, What? He said, I, I, I haven't done anything. He said, You're going to spend this much money on me? He, says, he, says, he said, what, what, Why are you going to spend this? This, this, this money on me. He said, look, daddy, listen, listen, if you're going to do this, he said, uh, you got an uh, iPhone 6, give me that, and then I'll give you the new stuff. In other words, he's thinking, I'm not worth it. I'm not worth it. And, 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 and I said to him, I said, no, 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 son, I, 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 if I wanted to I, I buy my own. <laughs> I, I, I said, no, 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 I'm, 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 I, I'm buying this for you. And, and, and he was kind of says, but why, Dad? But why? But why? I, I, I said, because you're worth it. Uh-oh. And at that particular point, he had a decision to make. He could either accept that new iPhone 7 with all of the fixings that was lying there on the table with the bill on my credit card. <laughs> or he could conclude I'm not worth it and walk out and leave it on the table. Well, I want you to know that my son decided to believe his daddy. And he picked up that phone. Come on now. When you see Jesus die on the cross, he's taking your sins and mine and putting it on his credit card. And he's giving us a lavish gift of grace and generosity. And he's saying, you can either believe your daddy because I say, daddy say, God says, you're worth it and pick it up and walk out of that prison and let it go or you can leave it on the table. And I came by to tell you, don't leave it on the table. Cost you worth it. Here's the last thing you need to know. Once you take the gift, take the lessons learned from the previous mistakes and apply it forward. The reason why I go to Kashata, 
my staff sometimes fuss at me. You can't go. We got all this. But they know in Cushada, I said this, if you need me, call me. And if I got to come at my own expense, I'll show up. Why? Because I discovered in my work around that issue that the heart of the mistake that I made, the reason I, at the end of the day, the result of my not calling my parents translated into my inability to say thank you. And so I now applied forward. I was in Cushada a couple of weeks ago speaking to a whole room full of educators who work with special needs kids and their parents and so forth and so on. And I got to tell my story and what God did. And I got to celebrate the many teachers and parents and folk who poured into my life. That was my way of saying thank you, y'all. Uh, in other words, I was making a call back home. Uh, when I went to my church, uh, I preached. They let me preach. About 35 people there. But I told them what was going on here. And, 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 and my pastor got up and said, well, we raised him up. But he went across the creek and made something of himself. And then I said, when I got back up, I said, Pastor, forgive me. Can I just adjust just one thing you said? The fact actually is y'all made something of me and then sent me across the creek. I'm just calling back home, y'all. I'm just calling back home to say thank you. Come on, come on. Come on, come on. And I wanted to, I wanted Kashada to know that the miracles that's happening here is coming out of their investment. I'm just trying to say thank you, y'all. Uh, when my mother-in-law comes on the weekend and she cleans up our house and does so many things to help me and Rhonda, and, 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 and a couple of times, two or three times, I'll say thank you, thank you. And she finally, she starts making a joke with Rhonda, but she says, he's going to say thank you, he's going to say thank you. Wait, but, but boy, I don't need you to say thank you. I know you. I, I, but, but, but mama, please let me because I, I, this is my way of calling back home. I, I, I just learned that when people bless you, you ought to say thank you. Come on now. Uh, 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 when I work with my staff and, and I see them working hard and we're in a staff meeting and I pass some greeter, some host, I try to remember to say thank you. Why? Because I'm just calling back home. Take the lesson and apply it what? That completes the cycle. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for your patience over time. Good God. Uh, uh, show me your connection card. In front of your connection card, if you're watching my video, you, you take, take, take note. This, this is a moment. Maybe you want to just, just say, you know, I commit to Jesus. I believe him. He's the only one in the universe has confirmed through his death and resurrection, I'm worth it. And there's some other choices that you can make on that front of the card. But I want you to flip it over. And under the response to the message, I think your heart's open. I think some of you can walk out of that prison today. I think you can. You always have the regret. But what I want you to feel along with the regret is peace. Not shame not hurt that you'll be able to share like I'm sure maybe you don't share it with I'm sharing it with thousands of people you don't have to do that but you'll be able to sh not hide it because God has redeemed it and if you're ready to walk out of the prison to start working on forgiving yourself I just simply want you to write this say it say it out loud and say Lord, Lord, Lord I, accept I accept 
your lavish generosity. That's his forgiveness and his grace. Because you're worth it. God bless you.